Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. We have been on a topic uh, during the opportunities that I've had to minister to you. Uh, And the topic has been relying on the realm of answers. And I want to continue along that way. And we're going to take a little bit of a different turn. We've talked about attending to the Word, giving our attention to the Word and allowing the uh, light of the Word uh, to shine upon our path. I I want to look on that light a little bit uh, different, the light of uh, Revelation. And in chapter 5 and verse 8, The scripture tells us, for you were sometimes or in a previous time darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord, walk as children of light. Now you are light in the Lord, so walk as children of light. The Weiss translation says, as children of light, be continually conducting yourselves. As children of light, be continually conducting yourselves. When we think of behavior or the way we conduct ourselves, we don't want to just limit it to wrongdoing and right doing. But I want to open a little bit uh, to discuss uh, walking in the light of God's revealed plan God's revealed instruction, walking in the light. Not necessarily just do good and don't do bad, but be accurate. Live accurate. Live in line with what He's shown you. Live in line with what He said in His Word. And to do this, we've got to learn how to walk in the light. We've got to learn how to walk in the light. So when we say that, walk in the light... I want you to picture the difference between walking in the way you walked before God, which was depending upon your sense knowledge, depending on your your previous experience, your emotions, your reasonings. Those are our lower level indicators. When we begin to walk in the light of God's Word, we have information that goes beyond what my eyes can see, that goes beyond what my emotions can experience. We now have information that goes beyond the natural sphere, the natural limitations, and now I can see something that will place me at a safer walk, a a more accurate walk. So it's not just about don't do this and do this. It's about live in the light of what God said. Walk in the light of what He's revealed to you. Let's look at Ephesians 1. Back up here to chapter 1. And I think this is interesting how 
the Holy Spirit prayed through the Apostle Paul. This is a Holy Spirit-inspired prayer. That's why it's in the Scripture, so that it's not just Paul's prayer. It's the Holy Spirit's prayer for us. We can pray this too. This was how God was dealing with him to pray for people, which gives us an understanding this is God's will. This is something God wants for his people. And sometimes... uh, when we see that it wasn't, oh, God, just give them, make them, you know, help them in that situation. Lord, bless them with this. It wasn't just a, a generalized. He was very specific in this prayer and said this in verse 17. This is what he prayed, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. This is the desire that that we have the, the Spirit of God who is in us as we learn from Him, because He's our teacher. He's come to teach us things. He's come to bring things to our remembrance that the Lord has said. He's come to show us things to come. As we learn to walk with Him, we will operate in His wisdom. We will have a spirit of wisdom and revelation as we grow in our knowledge of God, of Jesus. So the wisdom, that He's talking about our spirit, that we would have our spirits infused with the wisdom of God. It comes from the Spirit of God, but He wants us to have our spirits wise. He wants us to have revelation operating in our spirit. Now, the word revelation is an interesting word because if... um, I want to borrow this. Just one of these. Thank you. The, the, The word revelation... If you only identify with the book of Revelation and you think it's talking about end times, it's talking about that, the word itself means an uncovering. So if you have something that's covered and you can see the object, but you can't see details about it, it's covered. You can see basics, you can see an outline, you can see... an approximate size, you can see that there's no detail for you. You know something is there, but you don't have any detailed information about what is there. The word revelation means to jerk off the cover. Jerk off the cover. So there are things that are there that God has, has a desire to show us. And by His Spirit, He will jerk the cover off so that we can see the details. So that we can see the details. It might be a plan for uh, your financial future. How, if you're desiring to be out of debt or desiring to have a certain amount of money saved, there's a plan and He'll jerk off the cover and reveal it to you. Amen? It could be something about your marriage. It could be something about your family. There is a plan. There are details for us that we can't get with the mind alone. We can get them in the spirit and then bring them up and renew the mind with it. 
But it's not going to come to the mind because it's spiritual. It's going to come to the spirit. And then we take the revelation we get in the spirit and we govern the mind with it. So this revelation, which means to jerk off the cover to, to show those details, he wants us that operative in our spirit. As a believer, you have that instrument on your dashboard. You know, if you get in your car, you, you need to learn to check the instruments, right? right? You look at the instruments, hopefully, to see how fast you're going. You look at the instruments to see how much fuel is in the tank, right? You look at the instruments for different things to see different things. Those are the two main, right? How much gas is in the tank, how, how fast I'm going. But, but those instruments will indicate to you the details that you need to know to make proper decisions. On the dashboard of your spirit, you have revelation. But you need to learn how to use it. You need to learn how to use that instrument that's on the dashboard, how to become proficient in it so that you can access the information to make the right decisions for your life. So he says, let's see what happens when, this, when your spirit is functioning in God's wisdom and God's revelation through the knowledge of, of Jesus, through the knowledge of the Word. This is what will happen. The eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. You'll, with with wisdom, and under, or wisdom and revelation, you will have clarity to understand. You won't be fumbling around in the dark. You won't be trying to figure it out with your mind. You won't be calling everybody else and watching every Dr. Phil that you can get to try to get an answer to how to fix it. Because what? You'll have understanding... The one translation says that the eyes of your understanding would be flooded with light. Fully flooded with light. When the difference between trying to see something in the dark and trying to see something in the light is clarity. In the dark, you may be able to remember where the furniture is. But you may misjudge how close your foot is to that stool and you catch your toe on it right and you you or or something was left out of place from where you remembered it to be so in the dark there's not clarity to make sure decisions sure steps so we want the eyes of our understanding to be flooded with light and then this will happen you will know what is the hope of his calling The way for you to know the hope of his calling, you're going to have to have wisdom and revelation to get it. You can't get it without spiritual wisdom. When we did our our teaching, our, our being in Christ, I continually brought us back to understanding. You can't find out without the word who you are. You've got to have the word. You can't get it. You can't get it any other way. Without the word telling you you're the righteousness of God in Christ, you'll never know it. Without the word telling you you're an heir and a joint heir, you'll never know it. Without the word identifying you as a new creature in Christ, old things are passed away. You'll keep trying to live in the old things, in the old way, in the old being until the word identifies you as to who you are now. 
Well, the same is true about every decision in your life. Without the Word, you'll never know what is the hope of His calling. It has to be known spiritually. It has to come into the Spirit. The next one, it says, the riches of the glory of His inheritance. I'm still working on that one. I am still working on that one. I'm just here to tell you. I am still seeing things that are my inheritance. I'm not waiting to get them. My inheritance has already been dispersed to me. (laughs) But I'm just beginning to realize all of the benefits in my inheritance. And how are they known? Spiritually. They have to be seen spiritually. They have to be understood spiritually. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of His mighty power. Well, it's talking about the resurrection power. He goes on to say the power that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. We won't know it through the head. We won't know it through emotional experience. It has to be accessed in the heart, in the spirit of man. We have to allow the wisdom and the revealings of God to show us the power that's available to us in Christ. So, in light of that, I want to just make a few more points about Revelation before we move too far away from revealings. Matthew 16 shows us an example of revealings as Peter identified Jesus as the Messiah. Let's look at this, Matthew 16. Jesus had asked, who do men say that I am? And they said, some people say you're John the Baptist, some people say you're Elias, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And then he turned the question to his own disciples and he said, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And and Simon Peter answered and said... Verse 16, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it. You didn't get this through your mind. You didn't get this because of something you saw with your eyes. Flesh and blood has not revealed and brought this information to you. You didn't get this because somebody taught you this. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed it. But my father, you could say my father revealed it. This is what my father has revealed to you. My father which is in heaven. The father is the source of revelation. The Father is the source of revelation. He says, here's Peter before the blood was shed. Here's Peter before the cross. Here's Peter receiving revelation from the Father. How much more you and I who are blood washed? How much more you and I who are alive unto God? Our spirit is alive. How much more should we be constantly accessing the revealings of the Father? You know... Adam and Eve were built to know everything through revealings. Since knowledge was not their original knowledge, 
They were built with revelation knowledge. They could have asked God anything. If they could have known every detail that God knew, He created their mind. The human mind still does not operate at the full function. If we if scientists say what? 15%, 12% of our brain that we use? Why? Because God created us to contain revelation knowledge. This mind is supposed to be operating in the knowledge of God, the revealed knowledge. So Adam and Eve, when Satan said to them, God doesn't want you to know the knowledge you're going to get from eating the fruit of that tree. It was a lie. It was a lie. They already knew. They already had access to know anything God knew. All they had to do was ask Him. All they had to do was ask Him. When they ate the fruit of the tree, they fell from revelation knowledge. They no longer had access to understand through revealed knowledge the way... And, and now what are they doing? Hiding from the presence of God. Hiding from the presence of God because they were afraid. Their limited descent knowledge. From the fall onward, mankind began to try to understand God through nature, through, through reasonings, and that's why they built groves and sacrificed their children in the groves. That's why when we see the plagues in Egypt, every one of the plagues was an affront to the gods that Egypt served. The blood, the Nile turning to blood, they worshiped the Nile. They thought the Nile River was God. They worshiped the sun and God blocked out the sun and made it so dark that they couldn't even move out of their houses. Why? Because he's exercising his authority to say, the sun is not God. I'm God. I'm God. And their lack of understanding caused them to want to say, God's in the trees and God's in the sun and worship the creation instead of the creator because they lacked revelation knowledge. They, they fell down into sense knowledge. Every believer, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. Can you put that one up on the screen for me? 1 Corinthians 1, 30. Every believer has been returned to revelation knowledge access. You can know by asking God. There's not anything, not any good thing he'll hide from you. There's not any good thing he'll hide from you. Look at this. Of him are you in Christ Jesus who is made unto us. What's that first word? Wisdom. Jesus is made unto us the wisdom of God. We have access to all of God's wisdom in Christ. Glory to God. So we are now back in the original plan of having revelation knowledge available. So we should live there. Walk, conduct yourselves as children who walk in light. 
who walk in the light of God's wisdom, who walk in the light of God's understanding, who walk in the knowledge of God. Hallelujah. What does it say concerning those people uh, that the God of this world has blinded their minds? Their minds aren't seeing the things we see. Their mind is blinded. It says in Ephesians that they walk. Let me find it in Ephesians 2. I want to say it as it um, is written here. They walk. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ephesians 4.18. Actually, I'll start in 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that from now on, henceforth, walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Don't walk that way. Don't walk in the vanity of the mind. Why? They have their understanding darkened. We're supposed to have our understanding flooded with light, Ephesians 1 said. Flooded with light. They have their understanding darkened. They're alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, the lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. Lack, we have knowledge in Him. We have the knowledge of God. They're lacking knowledge, which causes them to be alienated. And it says this, because of the blindness of their heart. So we see understanding darkened. We see blindness. We see the God of this world blinds the mind. But you and I walk in light. Amen. We walk in light. Uh, Daniel chapter 11 We walk in light. Daniel 11, let's look at verse 32. And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know, circle, underline, mark that word know, the people who do know, the people who do know their God, that knowledge again, that's walking in the light, knowing, knowing, Knowing the people who do know their God, they shall be strong and do exploits. They shall be strong. This word know means to find out and discern. To find out and discern, to perceive. To perceive. Those who perceive God. Isn't that what that woman of Shunem, she said, I perceive that this is a man of God. I perceive. Here is uh, Simon Peter who said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, you didn't get that from the, from the flesh. That came from the spirit of God. That came from God. The father has revealed that to you. This perceiving, this knowing, those who do know their God. The word strong means to prevail. Mm -hmm. To prevail. To strengthen. To grow firm. So those who do perceive God, they know God, we find out and we discern God, we are strengthened, we prevail, we grow firm. And then it says to do exploits, which means to accomplish or to act with effect. To act with effect. To accomplish or to act with effect. So the more we walk in the knowledge of God, the more we know, the more revelation knowledge, the more accurate we're going to be the more accurate in our lives. We've been in ministry 
24 years, 24 years in the church, a little bit of time before that that we've been in ministry. And over the years, I went from wanting to be successful to wanting to have longevity. In the beginning, I wanted to have what other people, I wanted to have the, what, what, what looked like we were being successful because the picture that was being painted, if you want to have, if you're successful, you're going to have a mega church, you're going to have this, you're going to have that. And over the years, I began to see that's not as important to me. That's not as important to me. Being accurate to what God, God called me to do, that's what's important. Because people can get programs that get numbers and not hit the mark that God called them to do. I began to instead turn my direction and my prayer over to, Lord, I want to live accurate. I want this ministry to be accurate to what you've called it to do. I, I want to do, I want to be in your plan. You know, on Sunday mornings, sometimes if you're in prayer, you'll hear me say, or, or it, it comes out at times, Lord, what you have planned for this service. I don't want to walk into any church service and think I know what's going to happen. <laughs> I want to walk in letting him know whatever you want, I'm available. I'm open because services that he conducts always end up so much better. <laughs> we all come out of it with, with better. Amen? With, with a greater uh, uh, freshness and, and revigoration. And we all come of, out of it better with our answers. Amen? And so uh, this knowing, this revealing, this accuracy is important to us for what God wants in our lives. Let's look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'll begin in verse 4. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. There is a wisdom of man. But that's not the wisdom that we want to walk in. He said, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit, we speak wisdom among them that are mature. Perfect means mature, well-developed. We speak wisdom. Now, we're not talking about man's wisdom here. We speak the wisdom of God. We speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of the world, nor of the princes of this world that comes to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom. The hidden wisdom, we speak it. It's not hidden from us. It's hidden for us, not hidden from us. When we speak, this is how we, we, we access. It's no longer a mystery. Why? Because we've got revelation on the dashboard. We've got revelation receptors on the dashboard. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. We speak the wisdom in a mystery. Hallelujah. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Who is this wisdom hidden for? 
This revelation is for us. It's ordained for us, for our glory. For our glory. Why? Because he said, arise and shine for the light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. He wants the glory to shine on us. The light, the glory. He said, the light has come and the glory has risen upon thee. He wants us to be beacons of light. We're the city set on the hill. We're the light in the darkness. We're the salt on this earth. Amen. So he says, we speak the wisdom of this world. We speak the wisdom of God, the hidden wisdom, which was ordained by God before the, glory, before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The enemy has no revelation receptor. He cannot, we can walk in something and he's got to try to figure out where we're getting what we're getting. It's like, why are they doing that? Why are they acting that way? Why are they smiling right now? Why are they rejoicing? I know something you don't know. Why, I've, I've launched every attack I can launch against them. Why are they singing? Why are they shouting? Because I know something. I know something. And I'm going to walk in the light of what I know. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. So the eye and the ear and the natural heart of man are not going to receive spiritual revelation. We're talking about the natural side of man. That it's not coming through the natural side. That's right. But God has revealed these things which He's prepared for them that love Him. God has revealed these things unto us by His Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Revelation knowledge Hallelujah. is how we're going to know these things God has prepared. It's how we're going to be able to walk in them. It's how we're going to be able to, to utilize them. It's how we're going to be able to, to activate covenant benefits that belong to us. It's how we're going to be able to access spiritual provision that's already laid up and stored up for us. You know, healing is ours by covenant. We never have to make God heal us or talk Him into healing us or twist His arm or convince Him that we're worthy of being healed. Healing is ours because Jesus purchased our healing. But it's access spiritually. We've got to allow the light to reveal it to us so that we know how to reach out and receive it. So that we know how to... to uh, to open our lives up to it and walk in, in the healing that's ours. Amen? Glory to God. Revealing. The revealing is something the Spirit of God does to our spirit. Our spirit is in contact with the Holy Spirit. He dwells in us. Romans chapter 8. He dwells in us. I want to identify that first, Romans 8. Let's begin in 9. You are not in the flesh, 
but in the spirit. You have flesh. You've got to walk around in it, but you're not limited to the flesh. You're not a flesh being anymore. You're a spirit being. Your spirit is alive unto God. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Mark that. Underline it. Highlight it. The spirit dwells in you. Now listen, you can hear that and your mind can process it, but until it hits your spirit, until, the, until it becomes revealed, until it becomes alive to you. Brother Kenneth Copeland, years in his beginning, he was just studying for the ministry and just preparing uh, in those early years. And he said he would get in that little bedroom, that spare bedroom they had in their house, and one day he was spending time meditating on greater is he who is in me. And he said, I was just walking the floor speaking that out. Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he who is in me. Greater is he who is in me. And he said he, you know, not counting, but he may have, have been 20 minutes just meditating on that verse. 20, 30 minutes and all of a sudden it hit him. That's the difference. You can, you can read it, you can know it, you can memorize it, you can hear it, but in that hearing, what we're attaining is not a memory download, it's a spiritual understanding. That's what I want. I want to know it so that I walk in it. I want to get up in the morning and know He's with me. I want to get up and be so conscious of the fact that the greater one is dwelling in me. The spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. The same spirit that went into the sepulcher and raised Jesus from the dead. He's in me. He's in me. Can that change our life when it becomes not just, not something I've been taught, not something that I read. I've got to have it taught and I've got to read it but the, that's not the end. That's, right. that's not the result I'm after. I'm after light yeah. coming to you. I'm after the light of that getting in yeah. you. That's right. I'm, I'm after you getting up and saying, Whoa, the greater one is in me. And then walk in that. When you come up to a situation that, that nobody else knows what to do and in the natural you don't know, all of a sudden you say, wait a minute, the greater one's in me. He knows what to do. He knows how, what do I, how do I handle this? How do I pray? What do I say in this situation? He knows. Amen. The Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, circle it, underline it, in you. If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, circle it, underline it, dwell in you. If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, it dwells in you, he dwells in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body by the spirit that dwells in you, in you, in you, in you, in you. The Spirit of God, the Spirit who raised Christ from the dead, He dwells in us. Yes, 
The Spirit who authored this book dwells in me. He can help me understand and walk in the light of it. Hallelujah. Do you see now why Jesus said, it's going to be more beneficial for you if I go away? Because the Comforter will come and He's been with you, but He's going to be in you. He's been with you and you've seen Him. You, he, you know, Jesus sent them out and they came back saying, the blind are seeing. The lame are walking. Even the devils obey us. Why? Because the Spirit had been with them. But after the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the fullness of the Spirit and the salvation being made available, now the Spirit dwells in them. And He said, that's better for you. That's better for you because He's ever-present. He's with you forever. Hallelujah. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you. Hallelujah. Dwells in you. So now Revelation is that close. He's the revealer. He's the one revealing to us the things God has prepared for us. Luke 21, we're going to switch gears here for a moment because I want us to see the difference of walking in the light or walking by the natural. I had the privilege of being close enough, not, not in a familiar way, but in a, a covenant connection way, to the Dufresne's ministry uh, before we, we joined Fresh Oil Fellowship before Dr. Dufresne um, moved to heaven. We had been a part of that fellowship about a year and a half, maybe two years before this occurred. And so we were close enough in being connected with their ministry to see how Pastor Nancy Dufresne walked through that difficult situation. And if you happen to catch the television program recently, we re-aired the interviews that we did with her about her book, Victory Over Grief and Sorrow, because it is such a good uh, insight into the um, a spiritual response to that situation. And there were people who were a little bit shocked at the way she walked through it. And um, people who remarked that they, they felt that she should have shown more sadness at the funeral. And she wasn't being... her. She is very poised, very graceful, um, very together. She did not show anything that was inappropriate, like being silly or hilarious or anything like that. She just didn't grieve. She did not exhibit a, a large sadness. There was a somberness. There was a seriousness. But it wasn't the grieving, crying, weeping, sorrowful, fall down on the floor that some people expected. And in her book, she identifies why. Because she said... I know too much 
to walk that way. That would not honor anything that my husband taught me. What would honor my husband is for me to walk in the light of what he taught me. And he taught me that when a person is absent from the body, they're present with the Lord. And why would I cry about that? Why would I cry for me when he is experiencing the fullness of the Spirit, of, of the presence of God? Why, and so her response was a spiritual response. Even when her sons came to her from the office, she was not in the office that day, they were at the church in the office when the news came in that his plane had gone down somewhere over Kansas, over Wichita, and they came to the house and she said, I saw them all walking in and they all had the somber faces and I thought, why are, are you all here at this time of the day? And they said, we've got something to tell you. Dad's plane went down. And her first response to her sons was, you cannot get over into your head and begin asking why and entertaining the questions why. How did this happen? Why did this happen? She said, I don't have time to pull you out of your head. I need you to stay in the spirit with me. And the different staff of the church came to the house and they began making the preparations. And, and, and she said the presence of God came in. And she said there was a weeping, but it wasn't a grieving. She said it was the presence of God uh, and, and a refreshing and a, a peace that just settled over her. And she said... I began, it was like downloading. You know, like you could see in early computer days, they would show uh, data being downloaded on a machine. You know, when they did the computer games or what, war games or whatever for the computer, they showed all this download. And she said it was like a spiritual download. And God began preparing her. God began preparing her. She walked through that in the light of the Word in the light of the revealed word and the, in the, uh, the word that she knew and the things that God had taught her already. She said, the, one of the first things I thought of is what was the last thing I preached? And the, the thing that she had preached the previous service was, your answer is already in you. Your answer is already in you. So she said, I didn't look out here for the answer. I looked right in my spirit. And I, I began to consult with the Holy Spirit in my spirit. How do I need to respond? What do I need to do first? What are the steps that I need to take? And because of that, every project that he had, every financial responsibility that was left, every different endeavor she was able to walk through all of it millions of dollars of projects paid for and completed their building they had a uh, the the office building that was underway and then of course the bank when you know the leader of the ministry has has departed they want to we want answers about how you're going to pay for this building and and so there was a lot that needed to be done and and I remember watching as she walked through all of those things 
and she walked through it with revelation. Everything that she didn't know how to do, every dealings with banks. She had never been the one to deal with the banks. She'd never been the one to deal with the contractors, never been the one to have to, but she said every different aspect, the Holy Spirit walked me through it. And they paid off millions of dollars of debt in that time with the wisdom of God. With the wisdom of God. If she had moved over into her emotions, it could have sidetracked her or detoured her, put her in the ditch, and, and people would have, it, it may have, it, you know, there are times that people deal with things and they deal with them not through the spirit, but through the mind or through the emotions, and it sidetracks the plan of God. And they, then they have, if they are able to retrieve it, if they're able to get back on course, it takes a while. And it may not be as accurate as what God intended. So these are, these are important things for us to learn that the way that we respond needs to be a spiritual response. It needs to be in the light, walking in the light. Walk, conduct yourselves as children who know. Those who do know their God. Hallelujah. In Luke 21, we see an example of people who are walking by what they see. Look at verse 26. Men's hearts failing them for fear. Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. Fear and things that haven't even happened yet. People's hearts failing because of what they're looking at, because of what they're thinking about. That's in the natural. That's, that's walking by the sight, walking by the, the um, reasonings. It says that these people, their hearts will fail them. When Jesus, this is in red, Jesus is talking, we don't have any other indicator of Jesus ever teaching about the natural heart. When he spoke of the heart, he always spoke about the spirit. So while this could mean, it is possible that people could become so afraid that they have natural heart failure. But it is even more accurate to identify that when people focus on the natural information, they are going to have spiritual heart failure. Their spirit will not have the proper, the proper containing, the, the proper downloads, the proper deposits to walk in faith. Which goes back to our original teaching from this. Attend to my word. Incline your ear to hear it. Keep it in the forefront of your eyes. Get it in the, the, uh, the midst of your heart because these words are life to all of those who find and hold in possession. That word find means to find and continue holding. Amen. So the words are life to those who have the word and continue holding in their possession the word. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But the people who have in their possession the problem are not going to be able to bring forth faith. Out of the treasure, the man brings forth. 
out of the good treasure of the heart, Matthew 12, 34, 35, out of the good treasure, a man can bring forth good. Out of an evil treasure or a problem treasure or a worry treasure or a fear treasure, if they've been treasuring up fear, that's all they've got to access. And they can say, but I know the scripture. They can say, I memorized that verse. They can, that doesn't mean there's power in the spirit. That doesn't mean there's faith in the spirit. That doesn't mean there is, there is access to uh, the good treasure of healing if you haven't been storing up. If you don't make a deposit, you shouldn't be making a debit. Hot checks are illegal. Amen. Amen. If you don't have a deposit, please don't swipe. Swipe or no swiping. Don't be swiping if you haven't been making deposit. Right? And if you haven't been depositing faith, if you haven't been depositing the word, it's not there. If instead, not you, but if, if somebody has been depositing the evil report, the worry report, the bad report, the focused on the problem, focused on all of the, the anxiety, focused on all of the... Let me tell you something that I keep hearing, and I want you to answer it the next time you hear it. These are not uncertain times for us. I hear that a lot. It's in a lot of emails. It's in a lot of... of in these uncertain times, and it just came up out of my spirit this week, and I answered it, and I want to tell you to answer it. My times are certain. My times are certain that I don't have uncertain times because my times, this talking about your season, this season is not uncertain for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're not depositing that. We're not depositing that. We're walking in the light of the Word. We're walking in the light of the Word. Verse 34 of this same chapter, let's look at this. He said, take heed to yourselves lest at any time your heart be overcharged. The Weiss translation says weighed down. Lest at any time your heart be weighed down. Jesus, in Matthew 6, he says, or in, in John chapter 15, he says, let not your heart be troubled. Many places he uses that phrase, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Because you're not supposed to let your heart be troubled. I'm not supposed to let my heart be troubled. He said, take heed to yourself, lest at any time your heart be weighed down, overcharged, with surfeiting. That's not a word we use often, is it? That word, I'm going to give you a definition. definition. Uh, uh, surfeiting means uh, self-indulgence. Self-indulgence can weigh the heart down. It says drunkenness and the cares of this life. Well, let me put your mind at ease. You're not going to find me at the bar. Stumbling out. But do you notice he put worry next to that none of us would expect to find any of us at the bar we're not going to be drinking we're not sipping saints 
right? That would be something that, that we, we know. Of course not. But he said, don't worry. He put it on the same level of, of danger. He said, it's just as dangerous to be self-indulgent and drunk as it is to be worried. We would know what drunkenness would do to our walk with God. But he said worry does too. Worry is just as dangerous. Yeah. Worry, being, being uh, carrying the cares of this life, the anxieties, the worries. One translation says worldly worries and cares. Why would a person walk in that care? Why would a person carry that care? They're not walking in the light. If I'm walking in the light, I know that's not going to be an issue. I'm not, I don't have to worry about that because the light has revealed to me that my God shall supply all my needs. So why would I worry about my needs? The light has revealed to me that by His stripes I am healed. So, and, and that He is ever-present hell. That the light has revealed things to me that if I'm walking in it, I won't fear. I won't worry. Amen. Exodus chapter 16. Let's look at verse 4. The people had been complaining, murmuring, they said, we're going to die out here. We're hungry. When we were in Egypt, we could eat bread to the full. Now he's brought us out here to starve us. But verse 4, God said, Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, and I will prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall come to pass on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it will be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto the children of Israel, So God told Moses, and Moses and Aaron, Now go and tell the people at evening time, Then you will know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord for that He hears your murmurings against the Lord and what are we that you murmur against us? And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat and in the morning bread to the full. Is that clear? Is it clear what God told Moses? And Moses made it very clear to the people what God said. In the evening... In the evening, we're going to have flesh to eat. He's going to bring us meat. And in the morning, we're going to have bread to the full for that the Lord hears your murmurings, which you murmur against Him. And what are we? Uh, your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. And Moses spake unto Aaron, saying, Say unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for He has heard your murmurings. And it came to pass as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel that they looked towards the wilderness and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud 
And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel speak unto them, saying, At evening you shall eat flesh. He just told them that. God said, make it clear. I want them to know. I want them to know, without a doubt, I want them to have a clarity here. This is not a mystery. I'm not telling this in a riddle. This isn't a parable. I want them to know. Moses just told him. Now he's saying, tell them again. Tell them again. In the evening you will eat flesh, and in the morning you will be filled with bread, and you will know that I am the Lord. Clear. And it came to pass that even the quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning the dew lay round about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, It is manna. Manna is not a name. It's a question. What is it? The center column reference. That's what it... What is this? So they all come out. They just had the meat in the evening. They, they wake up, walk out of their tents, look on the ground. Was it clear? Was it clear what was going to be on the ground? But what did they say? What is it? Manna, what is it? What is it? What is it? Nobody's eating. Nobody's collecting. Nobody's gathering. Because there's no revelation. It was clear. God made it plain. He told Moses. Moses told the people, bring them together again. Tell the people again in my presence so that there's no misunderstanding. And they still walk out of their tent and say, what is this? Thank God for the man of God. This is the bread. This is the bread. It took the man of God helping them to see what had been clearly revealed to them the night before. God's so good to preach it again, isn't he? This is the bread. They were walking by what they saw, not walking by what God said. And that was their main problem through the whole wilderness. God was trying to tell them and they kept walking by what they felt and walking by their, what, they, what they sensed and walking by their previous experience. Instead, of, God said, I've given you the land. And they said, we be not able. We see ourselves like grasshoppers in our own sight. He said, I didn't say that. That is not what I said. That is not the report of the Lord. Who shall believe the report of the Lord. To him shall the arm of the Lord be revealed. To him shall the arm of the Lord. To him shall the arm of the Lord be revealed. To the one who believes the report of the Lord, that's the one who's going to get the revealing and the manifestation of it. Amen? Hallelujah. I have another one for you. Hallelujah. Mark 14. Mark 14. Let's look at verse 28. Jesus is telling his disciples. Let me read 27. Jesus said unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. 
But after I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. After I'm risen, I will go before you into Galilee. After I'm risen, let me tell you where you can find me. Let me tell you, you can find me. I will be headed to this. uh, I will go before you into Galilee. Okay? Now look at Mark 16 and verse 7. The angels, there was an angel at the tomb, the empty tomb. Mark 16, 7, he tells the women, Go your way and tell his disciples and Peter that he goes before you into Galilee. There shall you see him as he said to you. None of them were in Galilee. Even though he told them where he would meet them. They weren't there. None of them were in Galilee because none of them were walking in the light. They were not conducting themselves with the light he had given Luke 24. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. Why were they looking for his body? They weren't walking in the light of what he, he told them, was he? Were they? They weren't walking in the light. They were walking by the natural senses. This is where we left him. He's, he's dead. We left his body here. So reasonably, we should find it here. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen Remember how he spoke unto you when he was yet in Galilee saying, here we go, we're going to preach it again because you didn't get the revelation when Jesus told you. So we'll repeat to you the revealing word, the light for you to walk in. You're here in this tomb because you're not walking in the light Jesus gave you to walk in. So we'll give it to you again. He's merciful. I'm telling you, God is merciful. If we don't get it, I'm so glad because I found some things I didn't get the first time and he preached it again. He preached it again. The Son of Man must be delivered unto the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. That is what he told us. He did tell us that. You mean I cried all weekend for nothing? You mean I have wasted three days and five boxes of Kleenex? And now I've got cry face and my eyes are swollen and my sinuses are all all inflamed because I've been crying? And this whole time I could have been rejoicing. Think about this. All of heaven 
was celebrating because the new and living way had been made. The veil separating God and man has now been torn and Jesus has made salvation available to all men. There's not a somber eye in heaven. There's not a sad person in heaven, but all those people who had walked with the Lord, who had witnessed His miracles, they were all sad. They were all sad. It wasn't just doubting Thomas. They were all sad. They returned. These women, after they get the light, they get the light again. They remembered His words, and now their direction changes. Their action changes. Their outlook changes. They're not sad anymore. They're not carrying spices for a dead man's body. They drop all that. They go back with good news. Now they're preaching the good news. Now they're sharing the light. They're, they're distributing light. Hey! Woo! Glory! He's alive! He's alive! He's alive! Jesus is alive! What are you talking about, woman? It says in verse 10, It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and other women that were with them which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales. The NIV says nonsense. They heard the words Jesus preached, the words the angels told these ladies. Now these ladies are telling them and they said, that's nonsense. That is nonsense. The Weiss translation says, they considered it wild talk of those in delirium or hysteria. The wild talk of people who are hysterical. The, they were preaching, he's alive. He's not dead. The Lord is risen. You're hysterical. You're delirious. This is wild talk. Then arose Peter and ran to the sepulcher, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself. Well, that's kin to the word perplexed in verse 4. They were perplexed. Why? Because they're in their head. They're reasoning. He's reasoning, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. They talked together of all these things which had happened, and it came to pass while they communed together and reasoned, which is akin to perplexed and wondering in yourself, they reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, and their eyes were holding that they should not know him. I personally interpret this. You can, this is not, this is for you to consider, okay? They were so in their reasoning mind, they couldn't see what was right in front of them spiritually. They were so over in the natural that light didn't, their minds were blinded to it because they were so emotional about it. They were so, they were so numb. If you get full of care and worry and grief, 
It numbs you. It numbs a person spiritually. They were so over in their grief and in their despair and in their natural way of thinking that they couldn't recognize the risen Savior. And he said to them, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? What, what kind of talk is this? What is this back and forth? What is this? One translation gives that indication. What is this that you're bantering back and forth about this? And one of them whose name was Cle- Cleopas uh, answered and said unto him, Are you the only person in the city who doesn't know what's happening right now? Is he, is he obsessed with his problem? Is he full of the problem? Are you the only person in Jerusalem Are you strange, do you, that you don't know what just happened? Why? Because we are, we are full of this issue. We are full of this crucifixion. That's all I've thought about all, all weekend is how they crucified the Lord. The image of Him as the blood was pouring out. Can you imagine what they had to rehearse through that weekend? The sadness, how His mother cried how how distraught the disciples were how how peter was beating himself up i mean they they were going through all the emotional natural part and missing the whole victory and it says in verse 19 and he said unto them what things and they said unto him now now he's going to identify what's really in their understanding what they really see what is the light they have They said concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a mighty prophet indeed, and a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all people. So they don't know who he really is, do they? And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we thought that he was going to redeem Israel. So what they thought was that he is going to free us from Roman captivity, from Roman government. And he's going to establish us back here in the natural. They thought it was something that was going to happen in the government in the natural. When it had a much broader scheme. A universal wide authority. Amen? So they had a different light they were walking by. They were walking in a much dimmer light than Jesus was walking in. And so it said, yes... And certain women also of our company made us astonished, which in other words, <laughs> astonished is a word that means surprised, but it also kind of means put out with. What They were early at the sepulcher, and when they did not find his body, they came saying that they had seen a vision of angels which said he was alive. So they don't believe it. <laughs> they, they, they said that they saw... And in this vision, they said they saw. The angel said he's alive, but yeah, right. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it was even as the women had said, but him they saw not. And listen to Jesus' response. Listen to this response. Oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. The Weiss translation says, dull of perception and slow of heart to be believing. All that the prophets spoke. 
Well, what the prophet spoke was revelation. They were speaking by revelation. So what they said wasn't apparent to the eye. It wasn't something that you could see the manifestation of it in the natural, but it was revealed knowledge. It was revealed knowledge, and they weren't walking in the light of it. They weren't walking in the light of the revealed knowledge. He said they were dull of perception and slow of heart to be believing the revealed knowledge. And then, here, here's the mercy. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning Himself. He preached the revelation again. He preached it again. Now look, they go on and it says when they sat down to break bread, their eyes were open, they knew Him. But look what they said in verse 32. Did not our heart burn within us while He talked with us and while He opened to us the Scripture? See, this is the first time now since this had occurred, since the crucifixion, that they're not in their head and they're not in their emotions, but they're receiving light in their spirit. And they identified, they said, our heart burned within us as He opened, opened, opened the Scriptures to us to help us see. That's how their eyes got open so that they could recognize Jesus. They had to have the revelation they, and when they saw the revelation, they realized that now they're moving out of their sense knowledge. They're moving away from their reasoning. And they're like, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. They had to move back to the revelation. They had to move into the revelation to be able to see him. Hallelujah. So now we can recognize that Revelation is something that we need to give ourselves to. That we need to um, purposefully choose to walk in the light and avoid walking by the natural if it goes contrary to what He has told us in in the Spirit or in the Word. So revelation knowledge can come through the Word. And and if we know this, then we're safe when we hear something in our spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will always lead us in line with the Word. He will never, ever lead us to violate the Word. The Holy Spirit will never direct us to violate the Word, to go contrary to the Word or go... Uh, uh, away from the Word. He will always lead us in line with the Word. He wants us to get revealed knowledge through the Word. And then if there's something that He needs to reveal to us specifically, a detail about our lives that there's not Scripture for, we'll know His voice because we've been hearing Him in the Word. We we can identify. That's the, the same that led me in this scripture, the same, the same, we'll, we'll know the difference between was that just me in my mind or was that me in my heart, the Holy Spirit speaking in my heart. 
that takes the doing of it. It's not automatic for a person to, to become confident in the leading of the Lord just one time. Oh, yeah, I know it's the Lord. I know it's the Lord. How many times has he said something that we may have dismissed because we thought it was us? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There was a woman who uh, was getting ready to go to the grocery store. She had to walk to the grocery store. It was about a mile away. And she sensed, she thought it was just herself. She thought, I need to uh, get another checkbook. And she just dismissed it and thought, I've got, a, I've got another check in there. I'm okay. And she just dismissed it and got to the grocery store, walked to the grocery store, opened up her checkbook to pay for her groceries. The checkbook wasn't, it didn't have any checks in it. And the Holy Spirit tried to tell her before she left the house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I had been standing for nine months about coming out of debt. And I had my scriptures. I had them all written out. I was uh, uh, believing and standing and, and exercising my faith to come out of debt and believe in God. And um, when that fullness of faith come, I knew it's going to happen anytime. I, and and I, I recognized that. But after God brought me out of debt, I was looking through a journal that I had been using during that time. And a month before he brought me out of debt, I had a dream. And I wrote my dream down in my journal. And in my dream, I had walked into a room and I sat down at a table and a man pushed a check, a blank check across the table. And he had checks for other people and other people were filling out $500, $500. And I looked at him and said, can I put whatever I want? And he said, you can, you can fill it out for whatever you want. And I filled it out for what I, was, I knew I was in debt for. To come out of debt. I had that dream a month before God brought me out of debt. And I forgot to dream. After he brought me out of debt and I went back to that journal, I repented to the Lord. He showed me in that dream before it came to pass. Hallelujah. That was a revealing for me. I should have rejoiced more about that. I should have been bringing that up and remembering it and, and meditating on it. That blank check dream, that blank check dream. But I, I wrote it down and forgot about it. But I was so thankful that he, it, he, didn't, he didn't stop letting me know that it was about to come. I knew the week before God brought us out of debt, I was so I just was so confident that I carried my list with me into the Kenneth Copeland Ministers Conference because I told Pastor Steele, I said, you know, the kind of people that God could speak and they, they could stand up and say, if you know to the dollar how much debt you owe, we'll pay it off right now. I'm ready. I'm ready if that happens. If that happens, I'm ready because we're about to come out of debt one way or another. It's about to happen any day now. I knew it by the Spirit. He was revealing it. He had revealed it in the dream and I missed it. But he kept revealing it to me. He's so merciful. If you're hungry to know him that way, 
He'll teach you. He'll teach you how to walk in, in His voice, how to walk in synchronization with Him. He'll teach you how to respond. He'll, he'll teach you on things that aren't important. It's better to learn on things that aren't important so that when you get in a serious situation, you're confident. He'll teach you on a purchase. He'll teach you on, on, on uh, a decision that you're making that doesn't affect other people, doesn't affect a major deal of your life so that you'll know when that time comes and he does need you to respond quickly. I know that was God. He told me to do this. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. Relying on the realm of answers. Have you been helped tonight? Yeah. Let's stand together on our feet. Glory to God. God is so good. Just lift your hands and, and worship him tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy.